On our journey to interacting with the world around us, we are bound to encounter limitations of different forms, from adversity, traumatic experiences, and failures, all of which can lead to negative thoughts and limiting beliefs that could prevent us from reaching our full potential. On the self-transformation journey with Reed, we will be sharing insights that would spur a positive transformation on your beliefs and behaviors, enabling you to overcome any potential limitations and steering you towards a fulfilled life. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Self-Transformation Journey podcast. I am your host, Reed One Golagade, also known as Reed. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing imposter syndrome, dealing with imposter syndrome, in the workplace and um on this episode i have um a wonderful guest speaker in the house he's a thought leader he's a role model and a good friend welcome prasad seti thank you Redwan. good to talk to you yeah same here and um before we dive right into it let's just give a little background uh, um to prasad seti prasad seti is an ex-googler who has served in various capacities ranging from people operations to digital work experience at google Prior to leaving Google, he was the Vice President of Digital Work Experience with a focus on making the experience of digital work productive, sustainable, healthy, and inclusive for Google Workspace's billions of users. Prasad is on the advisory board for Executive Education at Wharton, is a lecturer at Stanford's Graduate School of Business, and he co-teaches a course on trends shaping the world of work. And, um, you know, going right into it, um, today we are discussing imposter syndrome. And I know that it's it's an inevitable phenomenon for many people. You see many people ask questions like, oh, what am I doing in this workplace? I don't even belong in this workplace. I'm a total fraud. You know, it's relatable for for everyone. So, I mean, going right into it, Prasad, how um, in today's um, workplace today, right, what is imposter syndrome and why does it even happen to employees in the first place? Can you, you know, run us through that? Great, uh, great to talk to you about the imposter syndrome. Several years back at Google, we actually did a study to understand what fraction of Google employees perhaps were perceiving the imposter syndrome. And we found that almost a third of our workforce wow. were all feeling like imposters at Google. So as you mentioned, this is something that happens in every organization. And it's a phenomenon that was talked about and researched starting in the 70s. So it's been with us for quite a bit of time. And essentially, it comes down to people feeling like even though they are capable, even though they have all the education, the qualifications, they doubt themselves. They are in complex environments and they doubt that they belong there. And it comes really from a perception of feeling like they doubt their accomplishments. Right. They don't think that they were responsible for their own successes and they attribute it much more to luck and skills. Right. And so even though they are exactly like everyone else in those organizations and fully deserving of a place to be there, mm. they truly put themselves down and have lower self-confidence and low self-esteem. Right. And that results in uh, feeling the imposter syndrome. Mm, right. I mean, fantastic. And, you know, you aptly captured it. And before now, I realized that for imposter syndrome, it is, you know, common in fast-paced work environment, like um, the tech space, the consulting space, and, you know, 
from my understanding because i feel like i've also had that fair share of imposter syndrome where you know you're always like an high achiever you want to you know prove yourself you have high expectations of yourself so i mean if we how does imposter syndrome really show up for employees in the workplace what are like the characteristics of these things what do employees do and unconsciously or subconsciously they're actually projecting that imposter feeling at, at the most basic level i think what imposter syndrome results in is people not delivering to the expectations that they are fully capable of achieving right uh, quite a bit of self doubt and uh, low self esteem basically comes in their way of getting things done and that is bad for themselves but it's also a poor outcome for the organizations and the teams that they are a part of so what exactly happens when you have self doubt you might decide that you don't want to take on certain types of uh, projects because you don't believe that you're qualified for right. that or even if you do you might then overreact so one set of people basically feel like hey i can't get this done and i don't want to sign up for it and like that is a poor outcome for them a second set of people might go the other way and they're now working night and day to try and get things done and in the process of doing so they are burning themselves out and they are basically not reaching out to other people for help so there are many ways which uh, in which this can manifest itself and result in a poor outcome for both the person facing the imposter syndrome as well as for the team and organization that they are part of so on either side right like either they don't sign up to do things right. or they sign up for too much and uh burn themselves out. Mm, fantastic. You know they sign up for too much or they burn themselves out and I feel like, you know, for me I've been in that space before where maybe I'm I'm starting a new job or maybe I got transitioned to a new role or maybe I got promoted and I'm having that imposter feeling and maybe I feel like I need to overprepare or I need to work hard to you know to deliver and it's always you know stemming from my expectations that I have of myself. There's this pressure to achieve and succeed and you know i i've also come to realize that for many people you know because it cuts across being a achiever and just being like you know a normal person that is scared of doing too much or is scared of even performing it is always a phenomenon that is common is maybe a lack of experience you know for some people when they get to experience this imposter feeling there is that lack of experience that can trigger that inadequacy in this new roles so i mean at google and from your experience when people get to you know start a new role or they they get promoted do you like put um, um any sort of like um should i say measure in place to deal with you know the imposter syndrome and also based on your study when you were able to you know see that one third of googlers maybe had imposter feeling how were you able to deal with it as to how people you know start their new job how they got promoted uh, such a great set of questions what do you do once you recognize this right and so i think of three broad types of levers to help address imposter syndrome in the workplace one is the conversation people have with themselves what is our self talk mm-hmm. right so we'll talk about that the second one is what signals do you get from the people around you right so that's mm-hmm. another part of it how do other people make you feel about this and then the third one is just the environment of the organization itself as you mentioned earlier there are certain organizations that are fast paced really complex no easy answers 
there's a lot of judgment involved in how you get your work done. And so there are aspects of the environment itself that might influence this. And so I think on all three of these dimensions, you can do something different once you understand and diagnose um, the imposter syndrome. I'll start off with like first, like the self-talk itself, right? Mm -hmm. Because, it, you know, um, there was this um, professional poker player at uh, UPenn who wrote this wonderful book called uh, Thinking in Bets. Mm -hmm. And she was talking about decision making, but uh, she came to Google to give a talk and uh, I couldn't go for the talk, but she signed a copy of her book for me. Oh, great. Right. And uh, in, in, in that signature of hers, Rinwan, mm -hmm. she basically said, luck plus skills equals life. Luck right. plus skills equals life, mm. right? And I think that's just like such a wonderful formula for yeah. how we should all think about <laughs> ourselves. I do think that what happens though with people who face imposter syndrome, they pretty much think that luck equals life rather than like giving any kind of value to their own skills, right? right? And so quite a bit of this is really about like your own self-conversation. And mm. there are a few ways of thinking through it. One is just knowing that you are not alone. And you asked what we did with this research at Google. Yeah. The first thing we said was to make sure that everyone at Google knew about it because it just calms you down when you know that you are not like the only person facing this. True. But yeah. there are lots of other people around you too, right? So yeah. that is one thing. The second thing is trying to make sure that you do an inventory for yourself take some reflection, like do some inventory for yourself about all the things that you're good at and where you think you might be out of your comfort zone sure. and so on, right? And and you might, and especially if you ask others about their input for you, you might find that there is a lot of things that perhaps you took for granted or you just didn't know about your own capabilities. Mm. And it, it provides a much more rational view of yourself for you. True. And then the third thing is to sort of just be self-aware, knowing that you face this kind of imposter syndrome, being self-aware and, you know, being mindful about, uh, hey, this is the reaction that I'm feeling and it is coming from like, you know, this place. And now let me adopt a, a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. Right. I want to like view this as a learning opportunity, not as like a, uh, a task uh, that I need to get done right, right? Like, so I don't mm. want to be perfectionist about it. Right. I want to use this as a learning opportunity. So those are all things that you can do to sort of work yourself into a better zone to address the problem. So mm. that is what you can do as an individual who perhaps might be uh, facing this. Um, let's talk about the environment itself, yeah. right? Because I think that is uh, incredibly important. And um, Knowing what, for example, we had seen at Google, and in fact, like the original research research on imposter syndrome when it was done in the 70s, Ridwan, yeah. was done by a couple of psychotherapists mm. who sort of found this among their female patients. Right. And they initially thought that this was something much more tuned to uh, women. Uh, but of course, later on, like you'd see that, like, you know, everyone in the workplace feels it across all genders. Definitely. Having said that, like we used to see at Google, for instance, that among our women software engineers, we had this process called uh, self-nomination okay. when you are up for promotions. Okay. And we found that 
the promotion rates for women were lower than for men. And wow. when we dug into it, we saw that it was because women were self-nominating themselves at a lower rate than men. Wow. And uh, some of it is very uh, gender uh, specific, perhaps, where in general, I'm not speaking for all men or all women, and of course, you could only look at the, those two genders at that point, not all genders. Right. But what we saw was that in general, women wanted to be extra sure that they were absolutely deserving of promotion and ready for it before they nominated themselves. Right. Whereas men in general would basically say, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> and so what we did based on the understanding of this type of knowledge was we had the head of engineering basically write to the entire engineering organization and say, here's what we have seen in the data. And we encourage all people to self-nominate themselves. Beautiful. Don't wait until you think you are perfectly suited for it because we look at a broad set of parameters. And the moment we did that, we saw that the self-nomination rates equalized across genders and that then equalized promotion rates. Beautiful. Here's the kicker though, Ridwan. Hmm. A couple of years after that, we saw that like again, we went back into the same pattern. Wow. And again, the head of engineering had to send out these emails. So what it tells you is that this is not something that you can just do once right. and get the problem fixed. You basically have to constantly be monitoring it and ensuring that the environment is one that sets up everyone for success. Beautiful. Beautiful. I mean, aptly captured and um, so many things are ringing true as much as possible on an individual level. You can do the part of, you know, being self-aware, you know, taking away the self-doubt and, you know, focusing on learning, like you mentioned, and not trying to be a perfectionist. Then on the organization level, it is important to build that, you know, work environment, which I feel like Google is doing a good job of, of that. And, you know, I saw in what you said now, people analytics came in, you know, being able to use um, data to make informed people decision. And I feel like that leads me to my next next question. I feel like, you know, there is this vicious cycle with um, imposter syndrome because at times you feel like, oh, I got this new job, I'm perfect and um, I'm, I'm good to run through. And then maybe something happens again and you're in that space where you feel like, and it's even subconscious, right? Where you keep working harder and you still never feel better. So at the end of the day, that's, not being good enough becomes like a vicious cycle um circle for people that it gets to just you know moving from one career ladder to another you still keep feeling like an imposter so i i would i would um i would say for me maybe to just um give more context i've been in that space where you know i was doing well on my job and i mean excellently well and i was getting good rates and above expectation and i realized that when i got promoted it, um, it felt like a new environment entirely and I was maybe having doubts around like, oh yeah, do I feel like ah, this is a new level? And I feel like, you know, maybe because of the high expectations I've always set for myself, but with what you said with the self-awareness, being able to, you know, assess my skills um, realistically, I was able to trump that and, you know, I'm like, yes, I did that before. I would definitely, you know, do it again. So if, if I look at it on that um um, I level again, you know, when we look at the costly impact of imposter syndrome on organizations, you know, because at times organizations don't pay attention to these things on an individual level. What organizations even try to do is to instill like a competitive culture 
where they feel like just you know be competitive enough to just get the job done but they don't see the value in you know create that good um work environment for people where they can collaborate together and they can do more for the organization so i mean if we are looking at that part what is the costly impact of imposter syndrome on organizations on that high level if it's not being dealt with properly at the individual level yeah there's uh, certainly a big cost to it and you alluded to uh, quite a few of the things that might happen right in every organization you're always going to have a lot of dynamics in your people. You're going to be hiring new people. People are going to be moving into new roles. They're going to be, even if they're in the same role, the team that they might be working on is different. And even if the team is the same, maybe the problems that you're focused on are different. So it's always dynamic, right? There's always something new going on. Yeah. And in those environments, if you have a huge fraction of your people facing the imposter syndrome, then as we talked about, it is something that basically doesn't help them produce as much as they would if they were in a good state of mind. And it manifests itself not just in that individual productivity, but also your team members around you are probably not learning as much as they can from those who are truly experts. Because as we have talked about, Imposter syndrome is basically a situation where people actually have the skills and capabilities, but they are self-doubting themselves. So that means that all of their skills and abilities, even though they have it, is not used to help others uh, get better and improve. And um, now you might think to yourself, Well, there is the opposite of imposter syndrome, which is also hugely costly for organizations. And uh, that opposite is uh, something called the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? right? And here is one where Mm. it's exactly the opposite in in, uh, (laughs) imposter syndrome. Basically, people have the skills and capabilities, but they have a lot of self-doubt. Yes, yes. In Dunning-Kruger, you basically have people who don't have the skills and capabilities, but they have overconfidence about it. <laughs> and they think that, uh, you know, and we all know people like that too. And, and it, uh, uh, you know, the people, uh, Dunning and Kruger talked about it as like the double problem. One is that these people are ignorant. Yeah. And second, they're ignorant about their ignorance. Hmm. And so that is like the issue with Dunning Kruger. So both of these are problems for organizations, right? It's not just the imposter syndrome, it's also people having the Dunning-Kruger effect. And so there's a lot of costs in organizations not understanding these aspects of social psychology and uh, social behavior. And, uh, you know, I think there are what organizations can do once they recognize the implications of these types of issues. There's a couple of things. One is certainly the HR teams, right? Hmm. They need to be very well versed in understanding these types of issues, seeing who might be most susceptible to them, encouraging people who are new, for example, in a role to sort of have more confidence and so on. So that is like one thing that like HR teams absolutely have to do. The second one is, I think there's a huge role for people managers. Mm. And this is the population that I think needs to be really, really well educated around the social sciences. Because frankly, they have this role in an organization where on the one hand, 
they have to help the organization deliver on outcomes that are important for that product or right. business or geography. Right. But on the other hand, they are the ones managing their people. They know their people best and they need to lift their people and make them successful. Right. right. So the people manager ultimately becomes the person responsible for uh, doing the best matching. They know what work needs to get done and they know who is available to get that work done and how best to get it done by them. Right. And so having an understanding of these types of deep social science topics, seeing who might be susceptible to the imposter syndrome. And for example, you talked about new people in an organization. I think like, of course, there's a lot that we can ask that new person to do to be self-confident. But I think equally, we should ask the people manager to say, hey, here's what a new person is going to feel. They're going to feel lost in this organization. They're going to feel like they have no context. They're right. going to feel like they don't know any of the people. And this is how it's going to affect them mentally. True. And here's what you can do to help coax and nurture and coach them. And so that they are learning and they get to be productive. But just know that it's not going to be overnight and be much more gracious and empathetic as they figure things out, right? True. And that is how I think like organizations are going to help get people out of this. It's not asking more of the people who are already feeling a lot of burden with the imposter syndrome, but all the people around them that need to help them overcome it. Mm, fantastic. And you know, it's, it's, it's important because I feel like today, many organizations are waking up to to, to the social um, part of um, the workplace, which is around um, doing more of um, making the um, organization more friendly to new staff and, you know, to, to current staff as well. And I feel like it would go a long way because I feel like some of the social issues are, have a way of impacting the business in, in unexpected ways, right? And I feel like when we start to have more conversations, you know, putting people at the center of, of the business is going to, you know, lead to more, more results. And, you know, from what you said, I, I realized that from my experience, I've, you know, seen organizations come up with good onboarding programs to sort of like create that um, good culture, good environment for people to settle in. Like, don't worry, you're all alone. The fact that you're seeing maybe the um, VP of people operations and he's all um, fantastic, all, you know, all, all good. I mean, it probably started through like the ranks as well. So feel comfortable. So I feel like imbibing that culture early on is going to be like, you know, from a top to bottom approach and people can start to extend that culture, you know, across board. And one thing I've also come to realize is the fact that um, imposter syndrome, you know, as a way of um, changing people's narrative, because when, when I feel like, you know, most of it also stems from your bringing because maybe you've been exposed to being a high achiever early on. I feel like it might also be like a deep-seated issue for, for people on that individual level to, you know, take a deep dive into themselves and sort of like see where the imposter syndrome stems from. Maybe when you've, you, you've started your, maybe your self-awareness journey, you've tried to maybe look for answer. Maybe you should go deeper to see maybe where um, the imposter syndrome started from. Maybe it's, it's that high achieving spirit that your family has built up in you or it, maybe it's an experience growing up and you, you just started growing up to feel like, you know, you need to prove yourself. You need to set high expectations to feel good, to feel, to feel enough. And, you know, it leads to low self-esteem, low self-confidence. And one thing I've also come to realize is the fact that when you are in that imposter state, 
you do more to feel more but the sad reality is you will never feel like you're good enough so it's always you know good to have that awareness on that um deeper level to understand where it is coming from and as Prasad said it's it's good to have that balance on the individual level the organizational level and you can both you know combine the learnings and you're able to deliver on the job and um i think lastly we can we can we can wrap it up here so i mean if we look at it i feel like on the individual level employees have um, something that they need to do to 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 be better on the job and to deal with imposter syndrome and on the organization level i feel like leaders you know also have something to do but pretty much when we look at look at it from the organization setting part we feel like leaders need to you know they are the helm of affairs and they need to do more so looking at it on an ongoing basis how do you think leaders can help consistently to ensure that imposter syndrome is not something that sits with the employees and it doesn't even cut to the bottom line or affect the productivity of of, of the employees and then the strategic objective achievement of the organization so how can leaders consistently you know drive this culture consistently improve um you know um productivity in the workplace culture in the workplace so that employees can feel comfortable and they can deliver effectively it's a great question uh, ridwan and i think uh, leaders have a huge role to play in recognizing these kinds of uh, behaviors and uh, setting up their organizations for success the first thing that i would say is leaders need to live and role model whenever they themselves are facing facing uncertainties and in their own decisions and in their own lives right and uh, you often hear about all of us wanting leaders to be more authentic and that's where it comes from and um, in my role at google over time i came to feel that what people wanted from me was not just what i think but how i feel hey. right how i felt about like you know what we were navigating through what kinds of problems were uh, important like you know what kinds of emotions they were bringing about and so on right. and um, so for leaders to be op- open about sharing those things very clearly with their organizations helps like showcase that no one is perfect right. we're all learning we're all on this learning journey right and it sets up an environment where it basically cascades throughout the organization so one for the first thing for leaders to do is to be much more open and not feel like they have all the answers but to showcase to their organization what kinds of things are the problems that they are dealing with sure a second one is fostering this notion of psychological safety we did a bunch of work at google on what kinds of attributes contribute to team effectiveness and we found that psychological safety was the most foundational psychological safety is uh, you know a term that we didn't come up with it's been researched for several decades and one of the most prominent scholars is amy edmondson at harvard business school and what psychological safety really refers to is how do you ensure that you are able to have open conversations in a social setting right. without feeling like others are going to judge you or shut you up etc right right and nurturing that for a leader is one of the best things that they can do we saw that at google teams that were high in psychological safety all else being equal mm. 
had 20% higher performance than teams that did not, right? And so let us look true business value to this as well. And um, there are lots of things that you can do to promote psychological safety in the workplace. Right. And your viewers can certainly look up Amy Edmondson's uh, research in the interest of time. I won't like go through that. And then the third thing that I would say is something that you came up with, right? That, um, you know, and this is not necessarily just for leaders, but a recognition that imposter syndrome is not something that just affects you in the workplace. Yeah. It affects you in life, yes. period. It might have happened, uh, you know, in fact, the early research that was done on imposter syndrome, the psychotherapist basically attributed a whole bunch of these causes to what happened early on in this in the families of the, the people facing imposter syndrome. Yes. On the one hand, as you said, it was people who were told by their parents or their family members that they were amazing, they could excel at everything. And True. then when these people grew up and they found that they couldn't, they started self-doubting themselves and they yeah. started thinking that maybe mm. what I heard from my family was just <laughs> That's not true. Right. <laughs> right. That's true. I've but been there, there before, Prasad. Yeah. Yeah. Who were told that uh, maybe they were not good enough, right? If they came home with a, uh, scoring 98 on a math exam, maybe they heard at home, hey, how come you didn't get 100, <laughs> right? And so both of those types of things can lead to imposter syndrome. And uh, I think, again, leaders can do like a better job right. of not just thinking about people as being workers that they need in their offices to True. do better work, True, right? but that by helping them address imposter syndrome, they're going to have people who are much better functioning in society and for their families. And that is, I think, like the responsibility of the leader. I agree. I agree. I agree. I mean, um, very uh, aptly captured. And I feel like um, leaders have a big role to play to, you know, instill that type of culture in the organizations. And it, you see that it will go beyond the workplace, you know, it extends to the society. And um, when we do that top to bottom, you know, approach, it even, it's a good talent retention or attraction strategy for the organizations. Because I would want to work with organizations that have that great culture. And I feel like, you know, one thing I've learned, you know, from my own experience and where, where I work, I see that a lot of people, they are scared of being judged by their leaders like i don't want to say the wrong things i don't want to look like i'm not smart enough i want to look perfect i want to look posh so in that instance some people would not want to share for fear of being judged because there is that imposter feeling to say that okay maybe i'm not even good enough and there is like you know proper evidence to show that you've actually done this before you've had good grades so you're probably even like the best you know in your class from from past you know records but, you know, you're still feeling this way. So when leaders are able to give that comfort, when leaders are able to share the experience that, you know, you're not alone, this is this is um, inevitable for people, it helps people to come out, it helps people to deliver, to, 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 to share insights or learnings that would help the organization to achieve its strategic objectives. So I must say, I mean, it's, 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 been, it's been a wonderful session, Prasad. Thank you for your insights and... Um, you what, what 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 I have here is something I would even go back to you know jot things down and you you've made um great uh, um insights around taking imposter syndrome head on from the individual level and the roles that leaders will have to play on that organization level to deal with the imposter syndrome building that right culture 
and being able to be self-aware as individuals and as leaders to know, you know, where where this imposter syndrome stemmed from, from the family background, from, you know, experiences growing up. When you're able to take good stock of your upbringing, you're able to know where, the, where you have the gray areas and you're able to, you know, come up with an action plan. You're able to question your thoughts. You're able to focus on learning and you're also able to build a network of mutual support. I feel like that is also very, very important and you don't feel like, you know, you're alone. So, I mean, um, Prasad, to, to, to just wrap this up, do you have any last words for us on, you know, imposter syndrome and maybe on, on the work that you're doing? And I know that, you know, with your time of Google now, you're into teaching, you're into, you know, different things that you're passionate about. How, how, is there anything you, we should look forward to when it comes to maybe work, work experience, when it comes to maybe organization behavior? Just, you know, any last words from you, Prasad? Thank you, Ridwan. It's been great talking to you. Uh, the only thing I will close out on is when you look at the social sciences literature, you find that people are subject to so many biases and judgments about themselves as well as others, right? right? And uh, it can all be very overwhelming. And imposter syndrome is certainly one of those things that can come and bite you and make you feel like you don't belong, that you can't succeed, and uh, it might really throw you off uh, completely. And so through efforts like your podcast, all the research that's being done in the social sciences, I would just encourage people to constantly keep abreast of some of this research, to experiment on themselves, to be self-aware, and to surround themselves with people who have their best interests at heart, right? Mm -hmm. Life is too short for all of us to be miserable. And so I just encourage uh, all of your viewers to just know that they are great, that they, you know, yeah. the reason that they're listening to you, podcasts like yours, yeah. probably for self-improvement. Yeah. And I think as long as they continue to do that, uh, they will be the best version of themselves and they will do great for their organizations and for society. Yeah. Thank you so much, Prasad, for the wonderful insight. We really appreciate you. And um, I look forward to all the good things you have coming. And, um, you know, we can reach out to Prasad, follow what Prasad is doing on LinkedIn at Prasad Seti. We can check him out on for people that want to apply to Stanford Business School. He's a lecturer there and, you know, he's um, teaching, you know, or he co-teaches, you know, trends that are shaping the world of work. Thank you so much, Prasad. And, you know, everybody should kindly follow at The Self Transport on Twitter and Instagram for more insightful episodes. Till we meet again, peace and love. Bye.